0: This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now the message. Well, uh, again, welcome to Cam. Um, I don't know about you. I'm am just now getting used to the place. Uh, Pastor Jim's had a little bit more time here than I have. Uh, in fact, I've got a meeting after church today. And and as I it was kind of funny, Pastor Nick and I were talking. As I was imagining the the meeting in my mind. I was still picturing a classroom back at the seminary. I was just like, wait, wait, that's right. So this is so new, isn't it? And so we're all still kind of getting used to things and uh, getting our feet kind of solid. We told you last week that we received information from the Pennsylvania Department of State that we are legal as Crossroads at Montgomery, that we celebrated that. We are still in the process, as we mentioned, of working that through because, of course, different arms of government don't communicate with one another. So now we have to make sure that the Department of Revenue understands who we are. And we have to work that all the way out through some other things. And we are making those efforts to get new bank accounts established. Once that happens, uh, then we will give you instruction as far as right now you're still giving to Crossroads Community or Montgomery Baptist. And uh, that just makes it easy once we get those uh, that new set of uh, bank s- accounts set up. Then we'll give you instructions. Say now's the day, and uh, you can change your giving. And since we're talking about that, uh, we should also probably talk a little bit about membership because the same thing's going to have to happen with membership. And so uh, I, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how that's going to work. And, and we're, we, we'll go ahead and do that at the same time that we do when those accounts are ready, so we can kind of do it all at once. But but essentially what's going to happen is we're going to have a, a, a paper, we're going to insert it in your bulletin, and it's going to have just some statements about things that you, you as an individual say that you believe and our membership covenant. And and basically by reading that and signing it, you are saying you affirm those things to be true. You'll be saying, I want to be a part of Crossroads at Montgomery. Now for uh, both Former churches, what, what we will assume you mean by that, when you fill that out and you turn it in that day, we're going to assume that you want to be a part of Crossroads at Montgomery. The, the first Crossroads and Montgomery, those are both going away. So we're going put to put you all back into that membership, and, and that's how we'll kind of manage the membership. piece. Now, you probably have questions about it, and, and that's fine. We're going to entertain questions. You can always uh, email one of the pastors or a board member. But it's going to be pretty simple to to kind of get everybody from where we were all into one family name. And so all of that logistics got me to thinking. Last week, we talked a little bit about what's supposed to happen on the inside here. What's supposed to occupy us as members of a church? We have said that scriptures seem to indicate that the overarching idea is one of serving one another. Sacrificing for one another's benefit. Sometimes serving is uh, teaching. Sometimes it's cutting grass. Sometimes it's uh, praying with. It's giving. It's you know, there's so many aspects of that, but it all comes back down to serving one another. So today I thought we might as well talk a little bit about church, church membership, church structure. Let's 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 talk about. What the church should look like. Now, the scriptures say that uh, there's two kinds, two, two ways to look at church, two aspects. The first would be to think of the invisible church. You think, I didn't know there was an invisible church. There is, there's an invisible church. That would be those people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ since Pentecost, since the, the beginning of the church until now. It includes those who have already died, but of course we know they're still alive. Every person who put their faith in Jesus is a part of this invisible church, whether we see them or not, whether they're alive or not, they all make up a body called the church. That's an organism. It's like like any other our bodies. It it has different members and it's held together. And it, it, but it, it's not bordered by time or space. It covers this entire salvific plan of God. The other aspect of a church is the visible church. Maybe this is what you tend to think of when you think of church. You point at a building with a steeple, church. Or you see pews and you say, church. There is a visible church as well. But that's not a newsflash to you. But visible churches are those who gather in a specific location at a specific time to uh, worship together, to observe the ordinances, baptism, or the Lord's table, to, to be taught and to teach and to minister to one another. They meet at a certain spot. They gather at that place. Now, let's just think through a few things. Um, how do you join the invisible church? Pretty simple, right? you Anyone who believes in their heart that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, Anyone that knows they're a sinner sinner, and knows that Jesus died for them, and they're trusting him as their savior. Anyone who has put their faith in Christ, wherever they are, whenever it happened, they're a member of the invisible church. Great. So how do you, I, I, I want to point out that joining the invisible church is something that happens in your heart. Something that happens often privately, right? In fact, even when we give invitations, we'll often ask people, make this decision as we pray. Sometimes we'll ask them to respond, but when they respond, it means they've already done the, the, the work. They've already put their faith in Christ. happens in here. And honestly, when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about reaching people with the gospel, we put a lot of emphasis on this thing that happens privately inside. And we should. It's how a person gets saved. So how do you join the second kind of church, the visible church? Well, that depends, doesn't it? Depends on the church. Everybody has a different system, different structure, different requirements. One church that we served at they had a 12-week-long membership class. And then there was actually an exam at the end. And then if all that went well, then maybe you can get an appointment with the elder. It was like, wow, you guys, like, really high bar. Other places, like, hey, if you show up twice in a row, you're in. You're good to go, right? So there's all different kinds. But here's the point in contrast to the invisible church. Joining the visible church is almost never just something you do in your heart. It requires something other than that. It requires something demonstrative. It requires us to interact with people somehow, somewhere. Now, um, I've got some questions for you. Um, A little test to see if you've understood. So, are all the members of the invisible church automatically members of the visible church? Good for you, you are so smart. So are all the members of the visible church automatically members of the invisible church? You've got to stop and think about that for a minute, though. Isn't that interesting? Both are clearly the church. And yet there's nothing exclusive about one for the other. There are certainly people who have trusted Christ as their Savior, but they're not a part of a local church. And there are certain people, certainly people in local churches, that have never trusted Christ as their Savior. Just because you're sitting here today, we're not assuming you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. So, what an interesting contrast between these two. So, here's a question for you Invisible church, visible church, which one do you think is the most popular? (laughs) What? I, I think it's the invisible. Yeah. Nobody has a problem with the invisible church. I mean, you can join it wherever you want, however you want, when you're ready. And it all happens in your heart. It's all private. and Really, nobody can say a thing. Yeah, that's easy. The invisible church is is sort of like the way we would like church, right? Each his own, sort of. Now, uh, you have to believe the same thing, but it's just not quite as invasive. See, there is a problem with the visible church. In fact, I would have talked to Jesus about this from a marketing perspective, I think. Like, Jesus, you know, there's some weaknesses here. You see, the problem with the visible church is it's so restrictive. You have to actually, you have to go to a specific geographic place to be a part of a visible church. And you have to know what time they're meeting. Showing up here when they're not here kind of missed the point. So you got to know where they are, you got to know when they are, and then you've got to be willing to put up with what they do. You ever been at a church where you thought to yourself, you know, if I had to stay here every week, i like, yeah. It's not all equal. We love this place, but not everybody is blessed. And then, of course, in a visible church, the other problem with visible church is there are people there. Invisible church is so nice. You sit under a tree. You think about God. God is good. Like me and God, I like him. He almost never irritates me. People, on the other hand. Mm. I mean, it starts in the parking lot when you pull in, almost, until somebody pulls into your spot. And then they wave with that Christian wave. To the the people that greeting at the door. To the people in the foyer. To the people who are in your way between you and the coffee. The people that sit where you wanted to sit. That band that sings that song you don't like. That preacher who just goes on and on and on and on. And the truth is, it goes on. The visible church seems like it, it's filled with potential interactions that become invasions of our privacy. In fact, that's part of the tension. Some of you have recently come to Crossroads. Some of you are still visiting. If you've and, and, and I love talking to you about this. Like, oh, so you're looking for a church. Yeah, we are. So how's it going? <sighs> yeah. Hopping from church to church, they're all so different. They all have good things and bad things, and there's all these things. And you just just trying to figure out which one is going to be okay. If you're not careful, you end up by choosing based on which one is the least irritating. That's a great way to choose a church. Which one bugs me the least? Which one will let me slide in and slide out and not mess with me? Honestly, from dodging uh, robocalls to people knocking on our doors, we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to make it so that people don't interrupt our lives. And the visible church interrupts our life. So I guess first I want to just give you permission. If you're a good Crossroads person, you love Crossroads, and still there have been times when you're like, ugh, <laughs> it's okay. Jesus designed the visible church to be irritated. That's why he put pastors in charge. With all of this, it's really important to, for us to remember that there are some challenges that we face as a visible person. And all of these things present obstacles, not just for us, but for the next person who comes through the door. What are they expecting? Some of you heard us, and we talked about decorating. You know, Which color are we going to pick? Who gets to decide? The person who decides is the next person who comes. Because that's our value, the person who isn't in this chair yet. So, with all of its problems, the, the visible church is also pretty unique. And think about it. Most of the New Testament was given in written form, not to individuals, but to visible churches. They were given that and then entrusted with it to pass it on to others. Visible churches were the object of persecution. Persecution. They were the ones running for their lives. If you don't show up, if you just sit under under a tree and worship in your heart, you're safe. And they kept worshiping, even though it was putting their lives at risk. That's happening all around the world, by the way. Visible churches were the ones who, who chose and sent out evangelists and teachers to start new churches. And to train others, it's visible churches that did the sending. A visible church, a number of visible churches were responsible for launching Crossroads Community Church. Or a group of people almost 300 years ago that were sent, and and, and from one group of believers, and to establish a bulk, a, a, a kind of a, a bulkhead here. In this new country, churches send out the gospel. So I just want to help you understand that what we're doing here, it's fun, it's exciting, but it's also irritating and potentially profound. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I'm going to encourage you to open it to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Ephesians 3. I. I don't know if if you tend to think of the church, especially now that we're in a property, uh, you tend to think of it as the walls and the and the, the the building and the property, or you tend to think of it in terms of structures, who's in charge of what and how things work. If you're tempted to think in those real practical ways, I want to just lift your mind just a little bit. Those things are a part of what we do, but there's something more foundational that is at the heart of the church. And from now on, when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about the invisible church. I'm talking about the group of believers who meet together to worship and to grow and to touch others with the gospel. So in Ephesians 3, starting in verse uh, 6, Paul writes this. And again, we're jumping into the middle of his, his communication, the paragraph here. So bear with me. He says, this mystery, and he's talking about, well, he'll explain what he's talking about. This mystery Is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus? How many times does he say together? At least three there. Together, together, together. What he's saying is that there's this strange thing happening. Now, here's the problem we don't find it that strange. But for Paul's readers, The idea that Gentiles were now a part of what was always this Jewish tradition and part of God's saving plan for mankind. The fact that they would be mixed together, that was was just mind-blowing. He calls it a mystery. We skip down to verse 10. Paul says this, His intent was that now, through the church, He is not talking about just this invisible universal church. He's talking about groups of believers meeting together. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What Paul is saying is that, yes, there's this huge spiritual battle going on, and And there are rulers and authorities in heavenly realms that are getting taught a lesson. They're being schooled. God is giving them the what for. This is my plan, he's saying. But he does it through the church. And this church is not just that big invisible church of, well, everybody, all his people, everywhere. No, he's talking about people that are identifiable as Gentiles and Jews. I don't know who irritates you the most, but they're included. Like a like a Giants fan or something or, a, uh, sorry, okay, uh, but you know, I mean, who? who? Suddenly, suddenly you find out uh, actually, they're members too. What? You're kidding me, right? We don't have to, but we don't have to hang with them, right? Oh no, actually, you're in a group with them. What? God is at work doing something that he calls a mystery. The mystery is the church, us. We are supposed to be a hodgepodge that otherwise wouldn't stick together. That's what will make the impact about what his plan is. So let's talk about what membership should be. Because in a few weeks, we're going to be asking you to become a member of Crossroads at Montgomery. Before we do that, I think it's important that you understand what membership means. For many, they've grown up in a setting where membership is kind of like a country club membership. Or, or like, I mean, for instance, I, I happen to be still be, officially be a WeeBlo Boy Scout. I mean, I, that's as far as I went. But I mean, I still have my WeeBlo card. Okay. And there is no expiration date on that. I checked. I am still a WeeBlo. Okay. They tend to think of church membership as one of those little cards that we put in our pocket. I want to encourage you to understand nothing could be the further from the truth that Jesus had in me. So the first thing I would point out is that membership is relationship. We call ourselves followers of Jesus. If I hope that's why you're here, unless you're just checking him out, then we're glad you're here. Followers of Jesus, it means that we're looking to live our lives the way that he lived his life. You can't live your life like Jesus without being in relationship with others. He spent every waking moment with the people that he was training. And it seems like every time he tried to get just a little quiet and sneak off to the woods, they followed him. He was constantly dealing with people. Now, lucky for him, his disciples weren't irritating at all. (laughs) <laughs> they were they were on they were right on on mission with him. <laughs> not uh, not even close. And yet, everywhere he went, it was all about pouring into them, pouring into those. Every time crowds would come and interrupt their time with Jesus, the disciples were like, "Hey guys, get get lost. We're we're doing important business here." He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. You let them come. Even the kids. Huh? You let them come. I don't think you understand what we're doing here." What did the disciples think? Oh, see, we've been chosen by the master. So we've got important, exclusive work to do. And the very first thing he tells them is, hang on, what I did for you, it's not just for you. Get out of the way. Let them come to me. Wow. what not that a powerful metaphor for how we should be living our Christian life? <laughs> Jesus says, I love you. I saved you. Now get out of the way. There's somebody else coming. In fact, don't just stand there. Go get one. I'll be right here. Membership is relationship. Membership is also biblical. There's some debate, you know, because we've got some large, wonderful churches that don't have a membership. They don't have members. And and, I, and I'm not combative at all here. I, I, I love these churches. They're doing a great job. But honestly, if you talk to their leaders even privately, the truth is they absolutely do have a membership. They just call it or treat it something different. And I'll show you what I mean. In Acts chapter one, we read this, and you don't even have to turn. You're just going to In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. This is the beginning of the church, a group numbering about 120 membership. Somebody was counting. Some of the churches would say, "Oh, we don't have a membership, really?" Well, how many come on a Sunday? 800. Oh, okay. So you do at least count. Now, counting doesn't make a membership. Okay, that's fine. Acts two. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. They don't just count. They kept track. They didn't just know how many came. They knew how many were added to the ones that already came. They kept the list. What would you call a list of people? Well, it's not. I mean, it's not really a membership. No problem. Okay, I got it. Acts 4. But many who had heard the message believed, and so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Now they're keeping track of who's growing. And what's, what? Really? I don't care what you call the list. They had an idea of who was with them and who wasn't. They had an idea of who had been reached and who still needed to be reached. I'm going to suggest that the idea of a membership, however we work it in a literal sense, completely, absolutely biblical. Unless, of course, you want to get to heaven and just uh, instead of having your name written in the Lamb's of life, just say, well, let's just see what happens. You know, No. You want to know your name is written there. I'm in. I'm in. The concept of membership is simply that. That there are those that we know that we can count on. Now, in um, in Ephesians, we read this. No widow can be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60. And then he goes on and giving a bunch of instruction about how they should handle this list of widows. I would love to unpack this. Just so you understand, though, at Crossroads, we do this. We know who's in need. We know those who have or don't have support. And we do keep track of them and we do support them. In fact, you enable us to do that. When you give to Love in Action, when you give to the general fund, you're enabling leaders to go and say, how can we help? It happened again just this week. Just this week, one of our members was at work. And at work he heard about another co-worker that had just had a tragedy and that they were in danger of having, I I forget if, if the power had already been turned off or it was about to be turned off but they they needed to they needed the finances to turn their power back on and somebody turned to one of our people and said hey what we should tell their church because their church helps right <laughs> we're We're already known for helping. They're not members. Great. That's great. So there's this idea that knowing who it is that has been reached, knowing who it is we're trying to reach, knowing who it is that's on the team to help us reach them. Now in Acts 6, we looked at this last week. Remember this when it talks about deacons? The apostles were doing their job and and people were being neglected in having their needs met. And so we read that the twelve gathered all the disciples together when they heard about this complaint. And they said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Not being snooty. They understand their job. They're going to do what only they can do. We have other people who can do this other job. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you. From among who? I'm gonna suggest that it wasn't well choose seven people from whoever just happened to show up today. Isn't it clear by now that they know who them is? We know who's on the team and from whom we can choose. It's the idea of membership is simply biblical. He goes. Choose seven from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to the ministry of the word and prayer. Something else. Some of you who say, you know, and I understand all the problems. And, And some of you, if you're here today, maybe you don't have any of these issues, but you know somebody who does. They like Jesus. They like God. Even that whole invisible church is pretty good. Local church. Mm, now I got burned. Interesting, isn't it that church is called is sometimes uh, one metaphor is family. So let's think about that. Let's see, family. Oh, well, yeah, I used to really like family, but I, but my brother burned me. So mm, no, 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 no more family. Now I mean, sometimes you may feel like it, but the truth is, those relationships need to be maintained. How, how many times have you had to work hard to maintain So there is a, a struggle with the visible church, and yet the point is it's a biblically mandated concept, and it's spiritually needed. The truth is um, you can't do most of what the New Testament says we're supposed to do as a believer alone. We've talked about this before, all those one another passages. You can go in your Bible app, type in one another, and it'll just generate a list for you. You can't encourage one another when you're sitting on, under a tree alone. You can't bear with one another if you're only going to be with this person in 10 minutes. That's not much bearing. Bearing with means sitting with them. Until their loved one comes out of surgery, which sometimes can be a while, even confronting each other. Hey, uh, I heard this. That true? Wow, that's that. That's not right. You're gonna even that. How do you do that? You say, well, you know, I'm not a part of a church. You see, but I encourage people. You know the the cashier at, at Giant. Hey, you're doing a great job today. See, I encourage people. That's great. So bear, go ahead and bear with her. <laughs> That'll be weird, uh, sir. Can I help you? I'm just I'm just hanging here for the rest of your shift. Just kind of be with you as they escort you off the property. Stalker, right? <laughs> Say, well, I would encourage somebody, or I would help them. I would would help them bear their load, but I didn't know. In the church, sometimes we can't. We know because we're in relationship. Something else, and we're going to get going here. Have confidence in your leaders, Hebrews says, and submit to their authority. Think about this in the context of, of membership in a church, a local church. Now, this is why some people don't want to be in a church because they don't want somebody like me having any say in their life. And I don't blame you a bit. Not a bit. And yet the scripture says that we are supposed to try to have confidence, look to have confidence, develop confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. You cannot submit to a leader's authority if you're not if they're not your leader. It's kind of nice to kind of shift around and visit churches because the minute this guy says something you don't like, you're like, whoop, okay, I'm out of here. And you just move on. You wait till he finishes that. I'm going to go back when he finishes that series. But I want you to notice that's not, all, that's not all that it says. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you. It goes both ways, not just submitting under your leaders, but how do they know who to watch? This morning before the service began, I texted three families. Three Crossroads families who are in crisis to say, we're about to have church. Is there any update? How can we pray for you? Let me tell you how I knew to email or text those three families. Because they're part of us. I'm not deluded. I know there are needs all around this community. But the beauty of membership is, I know what's happening in our people, so I can call, I can check. Our leaders do that. I, I, I love it when I get to the hospital to visit one of you, and somebody somebody else has already been there, you know, like just way to go, right on top just on top of things. They keep watch over you, and then look at the last part: as those who must give an account. Guess what? If I if I give you a call. I mean, I hope you're encouraged and I really do care, but there is this third part. I This is part of what he expects me to, to act like a good shepherd. I don't do it just because I love you. I do it because, frankly, I have a job to do and I'm on his list. 1 Corinthians 5 talks about confronting sin. He says, "Kick, kick the disobedient person out. Now, that, we'll talk about church discipline someday. It's really tough. But the bottom line is, if there is no membership, what do you kick them out of? Seriously. We've got guests every Sunday. You're a guest. We are so glad that you're here. But if something is going on in your life, we have no business, no right to go up to you and say, hey, this this whole thing with, with your Whatever, whatever's going on. This, this is bad for you, and it's illegal, and it needs to stop. We have no right to do that. Who, who would you, who would you put out? And if they can show up at church anyway, then what do we put them out of? You see, this idea, without membership, we can't do what God wants us to do. Which brings us to this: membership is legally wise. Okay. You can't you can't ask people not to do things. You can't p- remove people from positions unless you've already agreed together that I will serve under these conditions and these people will lead me. And you understand, none of us wants to take a job when you don't know who you're working for and what's expected from you, what the pay is. We'll just see. The truth is, one of the ways we protect the church today is to maintain a membership. And when you sign as a member, you'll be saying, I will live in accordance with these policies. And if I don't, you have the right to come and knock on my door, come see me and, and say, hey, what's up? At the same time, because we're all fallen creatures, there's grace. There's gentleness. Because the next person to be confronted could be me. Lastly, membership is completely Natural. If we're honest, it's just normal. Membership's one of the most normal things in life. You have a family. You grew, that's how you, your first experience was family. Right after family was friends. You weren't friends with everyone. And if you're going to go hang out with somebody, you didn't call everyone. And if your parents didn't know where you were, there were three families to call. The truth is, it's just completely natural. Think about this. Why are you an Eagles fan? I'm assuming that you are because you're Christian. <laughs> okay, so now we'll get back to church discipline. Uh, no, but I mean, why? But why does somebody become an Eagles fan or anybody else's fan? Right? Think about it. We feel passionate sometimes about those connections. There's something about them, and we identify with them, and they sort of emulate us, and, and like, and it's just. Fun. Wait a minute. It's just fun to say, I am with them. Yay, us. Boo, us. Ugh, this is so hard, us. But it is us. You know, this whole talk is really silly. Because honestly, you all know this to be true already. It's terrifying to be a member. It's a pain in the neck. It's irritating to be a member. Sometimes we wish it wasn't necessary, wasn't needed. And yet every one of us really wants to be a part of something that we say. This is us. I love us. I'm so embarrassed about us. We can do better us. You see the common thread? The truth is, the visible church is us. We're not better than other churches. We don't have the best theology or the best way of doing things, but we have our theology. We have our way of doing things. And it works for us. We're going to close. You know this passage, Matthew 28. Remember, Jesus is about to, he's he's been crucified, raised, he's talking to these disciples, he's about to send to the Father, and he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you. till the very end of the age. We hear this, the Great Commission, and we've unpacked this before. Sometimes we think we see four commands. Go, make, baptize, teach. But that's not really grammatically what's going on here. There's really only one command here. And the command is not to go. The command is to make disciples. He says, now, what I've done for you, you do. Go make disciples. The go is kind of like uh, when you're headed to the store. Hey, when you go to the store, get eggs. What did I tell you to do? Get eggs. Going to the store was just... Required to get the eggs. The command is, get egg. He says, go, make disciples. How? Baptizing them. As a church, as a membership. We understand that something says, this is who we are. From the very beginning of the church, that stamp, that very first entryway stamp was this baptizing. Saying, I am now identified with this group. I love this because sometimes people say, Well, isn't baptism Baptism's kind of old fashioned? It meant something way back then. It doesn't mean anything now. People might say that until the day they're thinking about getting baptized. And the day of baptism, let me tell you what happens. People who are going to be baptized, they're sitting off the side and they're like, I'm little nervous. <laughs> what are you nervous for? I do the dunking. It's not that hard. Just hold your breath. No, no. What are you nervous for? This is important, this is big. I am glad you know that, because it stands for something. You are saying, I am now one of them. I'm a follower. And then he goes on. He says, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. This idea of helping them then in a relationship to learn to to do what Jesus said. It's all a matter of identification. Who are you? And the irony is, we have no problem saying we're an eagle's fan of people at work. Or that we're from this state, or we have this national heritage, or whatever. This is supposed to be something that we can identify as. I I, I got people. I'm a part of a church. Oh, really? Why do you say it like that? It's so cool. You should come check it out. Yeah, churches are old-fashioned. Yeah, nah -uh. Or sometimes they're really irritating. Eh, Yeah, okay, yeah but we're in it together. My people have my back and I have theirs. In the book of Amos, there is this verse. Amos 3.3. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. Now the primary application of that passage has to do with Israel and God. But I think it applies to what we're talking about. Because what we're talking about as members of God's church is sort of a, an outgrowth of this idea. If you see two people walking along together, it's safe to assume, especially if they've made a few turns or whatever, if they're traveling together, it's safe and normal to assume they, they are traveling together. They have agreed. They've talked about this. It's a normal concept. And two people don't walk together unless they agree ahead of time. God is doing a work in his world. He made it clear, we saw it in Ephesians, that the church is at the very center of that plan. Here's the news flash. Really offensive for us who are Western mindset Americans. You, individual believer, are not. At the center of his plan to reach the world. It's not about, unless of course you're part of us, then it is about God's plan to reach the world is to reach it through the visible church. Us, we are on the front lines of a spiritual battle, and we have been making headway always know it. But lives are, all, almost every week I hear about both good and bad. I hear about people who are making progress or made a profession of faith. I hear about people who have fallen. This week I heard sort of, about another young marriage that's in crisis about to end. Oh, we are on the battlefield. So God's doing a work. The only question is whether or not you have agreed to walk with him. No question about what he's doing. Do you understand that being a part, and this is where it sounds so egotistical, being a part of Crossroads at Montgomery, you are a part of God's plan. Now that's true of other churches around here too that preach the gospel. So if that's a better fit for you, we want you there. But please don't ever sell us short again. Membership of God. Aren't you glad you're a member of his family? We are the tip of the spear when it comes to his kingdom in this culture. I hope you love. It. Let's pray. Take just a moment. Now, if you're a, if you're a guest and this is all makes no sense to you. We, we would only want you to know that Jesus loves you, he died for you, wants to give you eternal life, you receive it by faith. If you have questions about that, talk to someone, catch one of us. But for those of you who are believers, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a second, when you picture being a member of church, what image pops into your head? I think the Spirit of God would have us learn to love his church. The question isn't, why would I join formally join a church? The question is, why wouldn't you join a church? Why wouldn't you associate yourself with the people that God loves, the people that Jesus died for, the people that he is using and changing? Why wouldn't you be a part of them? So the issue is one of identification. If you find comfort in imagining that you, are, you and Jesus are good to go, then I would challenge you to add one more. piece In that little union, the peace is the church. Jesus and I are good. Me and my church, we are good. We are part of the plan. I am so glad to be a part of the There is literally nowhere I would rather, except vacation, which starts right after we're done. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, you saved us. And now you're saving us. You're, you're changing us. And you're using us. And although that can happen in these little ways personally, the truth of the matter is that you don't intend it to happen anywhere more so than as a member of God's body. And so help us, those of us who are members, to value one another, to see and enrich that membership as important in your plan. For those of us who are considering membership, struggling with membership, chafing with membership, Speak to us and help us to understand what it is that you do through this. You don't simply enlarge and engrandize a, a, a pastor or a church building. It's about being part of your plan. And teach us what it means to make commitments to people, even if they may not make a commitment to us. To serve people, even though they might disappoint us. To comfort people, even though they might Hurt, but we do it because we are family. Lord Jesus, we are family only because you first loved us. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for adopting us as your children. Thank you for prospering our family. Help us to glorify you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen thanks for listening intro music by bensound.com visit us online at crossroads-cc.org